I kind of had a choice at that point, not just being patient with the process, but being grateful with the process. And I'm like, mm, man, I went to my dad straight after the game. I'm like, yo, like this shit can't happen anymore, man. I always find the, always try to take the good out of any negative situation. You know, I have players coming in, Xavier, and they'd be like, um, you know, I played so bad. You know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like, hey, bro, hey, I don't know, we, we can't do nothing about that. I can tell you what we can do, we can get some work in right now. Like, if you're not doing plyometrics, you're losing out on a lot of potential for performance. Um, my dad had these tapes of the Laker games. Got to a point where I, I said, you know, I want to play basketball. And I just always wanted to make sure I had the edge over people. It became a part of me, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to get to be better than me. Welcome back to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have Ryan Buhane. All right, he is the owner and creator of Two Hands Basketball in Orlando, Florida. Ryan is a professional skills trainer, has worked with youth players all the way up to players that are actually in the NBA right now, including Kimba Walker. He has also worked various skills camps around the area and has includes work with assistant coach from the Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte Hornets, Jay Hernandez. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today, man. My pleasure. Uh, love to be in your podcast, man. Uh, just, you know, hopefully we could uh, have a really good episode. Yeah, without a doubt, man. So just so people kind of understand, like, who you are, maybe, you know, even, like, a little bit of background, like, your story. You know, what was what was your childhood like kind of coming up? You know, how did you even, you know, get into hooping and stuff like that? Like, what was it like growing up, your adolescence and everything like that? Um, first things first, I was born in Manila, Philippines, uh kind of grew up very differently for everyone if anyone's you know knows the childhood in the philippines is not very good so i don't want to say poverty but like it de mm -hmm. definitely wasn't the best areas around so i moved to america or united states when i was seven years old my um childhood here was definitely just the ordinary childhood i, I loved sports i got into sports very early um Played basketball pretty much my whole life. I played basketball here in Kissimmee, Florida, in Central Florida. Uh, I played high school basketball. And um, my senior year, I tore my ACL, uh, you know, which oh, wow. didn't allow me to play my senior year at all. So really, that kind of shifted everything for me as far as where I'm at right now. I Don't get me wrong, I still pursued playing at a high level, but... Um, it didn't quite just work out for me, so but I love the process of getting better. I love the process of working out. I love the process of just working on myself, getting, you know, just better individually. So I kind of made that my foundation, and then everything just kind of rolled from there. Without a doubt, man. So what, you know, you said obviously coming over, you know, it was, you know, a better uh, childhood kind of coming up over in uh, the States. But if you, like, have any memories kind of coming up, like, in uh, the Philippines and stuff like that, and maybe, like, you know, maybe some some things that kind of helped, you know, and maybe it kind of molded you into the person that you are today. Maybe anything that, uh, you know, happened. That, that maybe you... Definitely. Um, well, my mom, she left. She didn't leave us, but she kind of made a sacrifice to move to the United States when I was five. So I didn't okay. really have my mom from like five to seven. And my dad was always working. So it was just me and my brother in the Philippines. And we kind of just like roam the streets every day, whether it's after <laughs> school 
And it was just kind of like, um, and everybody knew who we were around our neighborhood, but it, it wasn't the best neighborhood. But since they kind of knew, you know, who we were, they, they wouldn't really mess with us. But it was, you know, we really just grew up around the streets and just kind of get to know how to live around the streets a little bit just because of uh, where we lived around that. And then fortunately, our mother was able to get us over to the United States, you know, sign, you know, doing whatever she had to do to get us over there, uh, over here. And everything from there just you know our childhood was definitely much better here in the states yeah i think at an early age just you kind of seeing your mom you know make that that tough choice not like because she she was just trying to you know leave the family or anything like that but because she wanted a better life for everyone in the family so you know seeing that sacrifice at a young age i'm pretty sure like that had to have had an impact like damn like she made this tough decision but it all paid off like in the long run you know a couple years later right and then that kind of you know instilled a foundation in me of what sacrifice means like if there's something that you want i know it comes with a certain sacrifice a certain price for it so mm-hmm. and that's where i really got my work ethic from is from my mom my mom really had to do what she had to do to make things happen so that's where i really laid my foundation on yeah without a doubt and i always tell people like there has to be somebody in your life that kind of that's like you know obviously like a role model we always talk about that but i think there's always that one person that kind of sets the table for us as far as like oh that that really has a, a big influence on our lives and like how we how we present ourselves and things like that like for me it was my sister because she's a teacher you know obviously like positions always underpaid overworked but she loves right. it and she gives everything she has into it so I get that from my sister I saw her do that and you know she's so happy she's one of the happiest people I've ever met and for me that just kind of set the table for me like okay look she's happy doing what she's doing and she works incredibly hard I need to take after that so yeah, that's crazy that you, um, at a young age, because I got that when I was, like, 18, but you got that at, like, five, so yeah, I already know, like, and, that's why you are where you are now, man. Yeah, I got that at five, and um, just, and really, this, just my childhood from that point, of, um, that phase from five to seven, you know, it was just two years without her, but still, five to seven for a kid, that was a very long time, so um, within those two years, I've experienced something, you know, very differently from a lot of other five to seven year olds so it definitely helped me out got you man so um obviously like playing basketball like you know we your skills trainer like what was it like picking up that basketball for the first time and like you know what was it like what that do for you because like with me I started with soccer I didn't pick up a basketball seriously until I was like 14 you know like going into high school so what was it like picking the ball up for you you know maybe at a younger age and like you know how how did that kind of transition you into you know even getting into skills training? To be honest, I picked up the basketball because of my brother. My brother was very good in basketball um, mm-hmm. growing up. He, everybody knew who he was as far as uh, around the, the Central Florida area or Kissimmee area. And to me, I really picked it up just because of him because of I was really around him almost every time. And mm-hmm. I sucked that this one, we're talking about seven, eight, nine, ten, that phase. <laughs> oh man, I was terrible. Very terrible. But uh, and then also my brother was very hard on me. He, like he would like literally pick on me, like you suck, you got butter hands, all that stuff. So it was just like, <laughs> man, if we're talking about just you know being unfiltered, like I wasn't very good at a young age. It wasn't until about eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth, uh, tenth grade where I really like showed out. Where because I, I, I played basketball from like elementary middle school but nothing seriously and and it wasn't until about sixth seventh eighth grade I started playing organized basketball and that really started tapping into my potential and mm-hmm. that's when everybody started taking a notice oh wow like Nico's little brother's actually 
getting pretty good. And it wasn't till my ninth grade year where I started really having a little bit of flourish where it was actually, um, and obviously I'm no Michael Jordan, but it was yeah. a little bit of a Michael Jordan um, story where my freshman year, I tried out for JV um, just because of the strength of my brother's name also because he, he, he was in the same high school uh, at that time. So mm-hmm. it was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm my brother's brother, so I can, you know, get some pull. And I worked hard. It's not that I worked hard, but I definitely I knew at that time, I knew the value of, you know, just knowing someone and be already being known without even being proven. So mm-hmm. I knew that value off the back. So if I had, I had to use that to my advantage, plus my work ethic. Long story short, I didn't make JV my freshman year. I played freshman my freshman year. But here in Central Florida, then it was, that was like, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. Then where your freshman season was very short, it had like 12 games. And then yeah. JV and varsity would still be going on with another 15 games left in the season. Yeah. So finished out my freshman season very strong. And then immediately from there, I got moved up to varsity that very same season. So I didn't even play JV. Oh, um, wow. And then just immediately just playing varsity for the rest of my high school career from there. So that was a little bit of my testimony of where you know my work ethic was. It, even though that I fell short in certain moments, I didn't really let that bring me down. More so, that was very motivation for me. And plus, I loved the game. So I, mm-hmm. I was just very fortunate enough to play the game that I love every day. So to me, that was good enough for me. Yeah, I was going to say, man, it's like, it's funny that you said that, like, in Florida, like, the, the freshman the freshman games, we probably play, like, nine, ten, maybe. Right. And yeah, like, for, like, JVF and varsity, you're like, all right, like, they actually have a full schedule, and it's like... Like, 25 games, right? Yeah. So, and <laughs> yeah, we, only, we would only play the conference games, like, the county games, so we those are yeah. the only games that we actually play, so it's, like, freshman JV varsity schedule, like, all in the same day, and then against, like, districts or, like you know, big non-conference games, there wouldn't be no freshman game. It'd just be JV and varsity. So um, yeah. I did very well enough in my freshman team where, like, yeah, this kid can play. Like, they knew, like, this kid can play. Like, it's just not the name. This kid can play. So um, yeah. I played at Gateway High School here in Kissimmee. So um, just, you know, just in one of those FYI things. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you what, which high school you went to. But, but now, nah, man, like, we used to play on Saturday mornings. I used to hate that, bro. Like we, used to, I mean, we have games like uh, some sometimes throughout the week, but for the most part, we play like double headers. Cause I, w- I was at university my freshman year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like we would play like on Saturday mornings, and I used to hate that. Like we play Wait, one what, game. What year you graduated? I graduated, but I, I only went to university my freshman year. But I was at okay. um I was at university. When was this? This was like two thousand and eight. I want to say two thousand eight, okay. two thousand nine, or something like that. But yeah, then I then East River opened up, and then I was there like two thousand ten to two thousand twelve. Okay, so, so I graduated in 09. So, okay. um, so you were just like your freshman, sophomore year while I was a senior and, and such. So, um, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, but no, it, it, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. As soon as you said that, I was like, I, was like, I know exactly what you mean, bro. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how it was. You know, so right now, it's actually a little different. Like, you guys have that Saturday tournament. Well, you guys had that Saturday tournament where mm-hmm. it's just all freshmen, you know what I mean? So, yeah. That, that, I get that. Yeah, without a doubt, man. So uh, we talked a little bit about your basketball, like you know, you actually playing. So how that turned into you actually started to train to train other people, like other players that wanted to get some work in. How that happened? All right, so um, let's just go back to that. Uh, remember, when I told you I tore my ACL my senior year. So mm-hmm. um, going through that, my rehab process, 
it was I couldn't really play. So that's when I really started training, training. So, you know, growing mm-hmm. up, I never had a trainer. It's either I played basketball, I played pickup. But, I mean, I would work on my game, but just, you know, get my shots up, get some ball handling in, like, you know, go through zigzag drills, cone, like just a few cone stuff. Nothing extreme like now. Nothing very, yeah. you know, nothing very methody right now. More so just go do your zigzag drills, a few two balls, uh, two, mm-hmm. two ball workouts. That was my thing. So that's where I really – we'll get back to that later. But that was really the foundation of two-hands basketball. I was very good at dribbling two balls. Mm-hmm. Um, so – you know, that, that was my, you know, be, having a torn ACL, I could really, I, I couldn't really play. So just mm-hmm. work on your game, work on your game, work on your game. So that really instilled the foundation. I was still a pursuing player after my senior year, but like, you know, trying to line up a tryouts, trying to get to small, smaller colleges and stuff like that. I end up tearing my ACL like two years later, again, on the same meet. Damn. Yeah. So while trying to figure it all out, try to, you know, you know, trying to set up, set up certain things, you know, attending showcases and stuff, like, you know, those college showcases, like unsigned seniors, all that stuff, or unsigned players. Mm-hmm. Um, those, uh, this Scott Goldman uh, events. It's just, you know, trying to do all that, and then you tear it a second time. It's just like, oh, man, like, I'm <laughs> never going to play at a high, the high level that I'm yeah. looking for. The second so, one hurt. Second one hurts, but like I just that never really stopped me from trying to improve myself, like as far as training and stuff. And this mm. is was like I want to say 2011, 2012, where Instagram just started really, you know, what like, everyone's like, what's Instagram? This is when it was just mm-hmm. pictures. The moment videos came out, it started where it started really getting crazy. I never really filmed anything. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knew, like, oh, man, this, this dude Ryan works out every day. Like, every mm-hmm. day. I'm talking about a couple hundred shots a day, um, working on my two-ball stuff. This was after the second surgery because I just love the process of getting better. I mm-hmm. really just love working out. So, um, with that being said, once Instagram started getting into it, I was like, all right, cool. Let me just, you know, post some workouts. Because I saw Dribble Too Much Do it at first. It was at t- 2012. And mm-hmm. um, he was doing it. So, like, all right, cool, let me do it. So, I just started getting some feedback out of that. That was really good. And then all of a sudden, Pat the Rock was, uh, I think Pat the Rock was doing it too. Pat the Rock reached out to me. Well, I don't, are you familiar with Pat the Rock? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Man, he, he was that dude. He still is that dude. But yeah. really, he really got me into like, oh, wow, this dude's training, but not only just training guys, but just he just trains himself every day. So, yeah. I was like, cool, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to train myself every day. Just like literally train for hours, two or three or four hours a day and record it. So, you know, I started getting a lot of feedback from that to a point where I would volunteer to coach the youth. There was a there was a recreational league out here in Kissimmee and I would volunteer to coach in return because I was really cool with the director at that time in return. I said, give me some gym time and not to train anyone to train myself. You know, right. So I got some gym time. So when there was no team practices, I'd get in the gym. I'd literally work out. Then it come to a point where uh, one court would be free and another team would be practicing and I would just work out. And parents would see, like, they were like, hey, James, who's that guy working out and training? And I'm talking about I'm going ham. I'm going crazy. <laughs> Two ball stuff, tennis ball stuff, shooting, like, 30-foot shots and just hitting six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row. Like, they were like, who's that guy training? Or like, oh, that's Ryan. Like, he, he just trains every time. And they, they would ask him, can he train my kids? Like, can he train my, <laughs> my boys? 
So it started off as that. And believe it or not, because it's because of that league is when I really started charging for training because I got so much inquiry from that league. I'm talking about off the back, like 20, 30 kids immediately would want to train with me. And I was only oh, charging wow. $10 a kid at that moment. <laughs> right? And I thought that was something. Yeah. Now, you, Ten dollars, ten dollars a session wouldn't get you very far with me nowadays. But we'll, we'll we'll get back to that in a bit. But like, yeah, so I'm charging ten dollars a kid, and I got like thirty kids, and I'm like, oh wow, like this is crazy. So I'm like, you know, at that time I was working too. I was working part time at retail stores like Nike and stuff like that, and um, you know, just trying to figure out my niche. I'm also in school at this moment. Like, I think I had just transferred to UCF. It was like my third year. Like, you know, because I got my AA and stuff and all that. So so I just transferred to UCF. And then um, it's funny because, like, I would be uh, I would be classmates with a lot of UCF players. And I would tell them, yo, I train. And they were just kind of like, not, nah, yeah, okay. Like, you know, yeah. they, they were cool. <laughs> like, I got, until now, I'm cool with them. Like, uh, there's a player named uh, Daquan Walker. He played at UCF. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked with um, Tank. Tank. Oh, FBA. okay, Tank, yeah. Tank, I worked out with his little brother, and like, so it, it was just funny. Like, so some of those UCF guys, like, they know now, like, yo, Ryan's, you know, Ryan got, this yeah, but then because I was in class with them, they're like, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, it's like, come on, bro, it. we both got a test, so come on. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, no, like, no, for real, I can get you better, but like, they didn't, they didn't give me a shot then, but it's all good. Like, once mm-hmm. they figured it out, it's like, all right, yeah, this guy has the juice, so um, <laughs> yeah, this guy has, he has the juice, so. Um, so yeah, back to that. I'm charging $10 a session and stuff. And then I did a camp for the city, like, uh, uh, for that league, for the recreation. Mm-hmm. I had nobody show up to that camp. Whoa. Nobody. <laughs> nobody, nobody showed up. But I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. But I mean, but I was still getting clients though. I was still getting individual clients, but I had mm-hmm. nobody show up. So like, so my first camp ever I had nobody show up. So, um, I don't know what happened until then. And then I think Pat the Rock did like a clinic um, in Orlando around that same time. And he reached out to me like, yo, come through, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case might be. And this is with, uh, t- with O-Hoops. He did an okay. with O-Hoops, Orlando Hoops. This is where Coach G, TNT, Coach Trap, Coach Oh, Ricky. everybody, the whole, the whole game. Yeah, they were, yeah they, were, they were still with O-Hoops. You know, shout out to those guys. Those are some really good guys, really good trainers. But like, and then, you know, they knew who I was, but, like, you know, it was their event. So, I was like, hey, Pat told me to come through and stuff, whatever. And believe it or not, they charged me $75, right, <laughs> to join that camp. And it was Pat the Rock that told me to come through. And I was like, charged oh, you? Dude, they charged me. <laughs> if you ever have an, uh, a chance to, like, ask them about that story, they charged me seventy five dollars, <laughs> and all I want, all I want to do was come through, help out, do what you know. Yeah, right, to pay to help. <laughs> I, I, I paid to help. I, well, I paid to join the drills, and I paid to help. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, we finally met Pat. You know, face to face that time. Um, kind of did chop it up, but like more than anything, you know, at that time it was worth it. Like seventy five dollars, cool. I get yeah. to meet a guy that's you know been showing me love on uh, on social media, and he's one of the He's a world sought out trainer at that time. Mm-hmm. He still is, but uh, he was really hot at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was like a hundred kids in that camp, but like I was the oldest kid because I'm like, all right, whatever. I just wanted you know come through help out, but I I got charged to help out. But mm-hmm. see that those are the very 
you know, nuances that I was doing because I wanted it. I, it's not because I wanted to become a trainer. It's just like, man, I really wanted to gain knowledge on how to get better. That was just right. my thing there. At that time, I didn't care about playing anymore. It's like, how do I get better? How do I get better ball handling? How do you know? How can I yeah. teach better? How can I, you know, just I was man, I was a junkie at that point. It, to me, seventy five dollars wasn't it wasn't nothing at that moment because mm-hmm. I knew it would just help me out in the long run. So that actually helped me because I got connected with Pat the Rock. I think a, a year later he came back down, but he was training Victor Oladipo when Oladipo was with the Magic at the time, mm-hmm. and me and Pat the Rock we just did like our own private workout, and he then. Believe it or not, he didn't charge me a dime. This was out of just strength. And, like, he just kind of believed in what I was doing yeah, at tough. that moment. So I was like, all right, cool. So we had, like, a private workout before he worked out Old Depot right across the Amway. And it, I still remember it till this day. Like, it, it was just like – I still have the old videos in my old in, in my Instagram now. It's just if you just if you were able to, like, go scroll all the way down, yeah. like, <laughs> that video would still be there. And then we created, like, a workout video together. So I thought I was tough, and he didn't charge me anything. It's just off the strength of, hey man, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. You might be somebody. Mm. Uh, That's really that's really the message he gave me. And sure enough, I just you know stay persistent, and I'm here. But before all that, that very same year, I got hired at IMG Academy to be a trainer. Oh uh, damn! Right, because one of my friends was one of the assistant coaches for like the national team or something like that. And this was when, who was at IMG at that time? Not sure who was at IMG at that time. I think they were just getting, they were just getting like John Isaacs or something like that. I think yeah. they were just getting John Isaacs at that moment. It was like 2015, 2014. So John Isaacs was just getting on board, something like that. So, um, and I started there and I mean, I, I got hired there. And, you know, I'm doing stuff. I'm getting connected. I'm working out NBA guys, pros. But it wasn't my workout. I was just more assisting. I was just like a rebounder. But at the same time, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just keep this as nice as possible. IMG's workouts weren't something I was looking for. Or IMG's like curriculum, whatever the case might be. Yeah. And that's just, this is me keeping it as professional as possible. So, yeah. therefore, like, you know staying there wasn't the best of my interest don't get me wrong it's definitely a stepping stone like very good platform to add on a resume but if we're talking about just the curriculum itself um very good facilities by the way very good athletic performance training and all that stuff the gatorade sports science institute is there but as far as we're talking about just skills basketball skills it wasn't what it wasn't my fit it wasn't my style of where i know i can grow as a trainer um so we'll just keep it at that yeah um so that forced me well i started it, it wasn't two hands basketball then. It was just like I just started something called two hands ball handling, whatever. So it was just mm-hmm. me choking. It, was, it wasn't a brand then. It was just a username and a guy just working on his craft. Right. You know? So at that time, it wasn't a business. So um, when I got away from ING, I turned it into a business. I was like, you know what? When it's called two hands basketball, I'm going to start my own training thing here back at home. And I'm, I'm already getting the feedback. I'm already getting clientele from this league you know, that's helping me out. But, you know, that's when I started amping things and started thinking business-wise. Uh, it wasn't a bit, very big change, but I went from $10 per session to $25 per session. And I think it that was around my ending moments at ING. And at that moment, I still have an email now. Michael Lancaster reached out to me. 
Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, so you could kind of see like this the connection now. Like, there's yeah. it's, it's all starting to connect of where I started to like where I'm at now. Michael Lancaster reached out to me in email, uh, wanting me to join the I'm Possible Training family. So I'm like, hell yeah, it's Michael Lancaster. Like, yeah, he was, like, top notch. So I reach out to him. He gives me all the info. I actually fly out to Boston to get certified by Michael. Man, that's um, amazing. So. It was like with four other coaches. Um, those four other coaches, God bless their soul, but they were not trainers. But they they were coaches, but they were not trainers. Because yeah. what, what Micah does in order to certify you, he certifies you on a spot where like, okay, let me see what y'all got. I'm going to give y'all 10 minutes. Y'all do your thing. And he'll get the players for you, and you got to train them. So that's how it was a live certification then. Oh, so I it's like you, it, like any anything you want, like, hey, whatever yeah. you, what you got planned, and you just kind of – yeah, dive in. It's, uh, you, yeah, you dive in. It's kind of like a little bit of an audition style. Um, okay. So he's, he, certi- he certifies you that way, and he'll you know give you his critiques. Mm. So the other four guys, I was I think I went last. The other four guys, you know, God bless their soul. Like they they mean <laughs> well, but they weren't they weren't trainers. They they were definitely just skills coaches. I mean, they were just mm-hmm. um, sorry, they were just coaches that mm-hmm. loved the game. Maybe maybe knew some X and O's, but as far as like methods, diving into like. Um, detailed, they, they weren't really getting to it. I wasn't perfect neither because uh, he did critique me with some stuff, but he did say as far as teaching the game, passion, and being very detailed, I I, I had what it takes to become a really good trainer. So, mm-hmm. But what he showed me is like everything that I did, he just took it and put steroids on it. It was just crazy. Like, <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, <laughs> like all the things that I did, he just made it that much more detailed and explained when, where, why, and how. So mm-hmm. to me, that inspired me. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. As far as as far as um, criticism go, like I know Micah's, Micah's methods get critiqued. They call him gimmicky. They call him a scammer. But to be honest, this is the most detailed trainer I've ever been around. And I've been around some guys. I've been mm-hmm. around Pat the Rock. I've been around Dribble Too Much. As a matter of fact, I'm going to dive into that with Dribble Too Much later. Mm-hmm. Um I've been around dribble too much uh, one time. I've been around like a lot of Micah's guys too, like Jordan Lawley, uh, DJ and stuff. And those oh, are damn. really detailed guys. But if we're talking about just guys that were just so naturally detailed and pinpointed so much, Micah was that guy. Like he, he had a method to the madness, right? So yeah. anything he did, it was just so broken down into detail. And that's what really – Got, brought me into I'm positive like I want that I want to be able to teach my players in that detailed manner and I know right. that's what every player needs they just need to be broken down and built back up so right. and Micah did that better than I've ever seen so that's what really got me to the I'm possible training now with whole thing with uh, Micah being the best detail trainer I, I've been around got like Pat the Rock very good methods but Pat the Rock would kind of just make you work Right, mm-hmm. not really much of an explanation. Nothing wrong with that, but he just made you work. He made you sweat, and he made you uncomfortable. That's good right. as well. Dribble too much, a lot of rhythm and coordination stuff, but lacked the teaching of it. You know what right. I mean? Lacked the teaching. He made you do a lot of rhythm and coordination, ball handling, two ball stuff. Great, but it just lacked teaching. He just made you go through uh, drills. I'm not saying they're bad drills. I'm not saying they're not effective drills, but it's not like he. From this is from from my experience, and you know this is not a knock on him. I, you know, shout out to him for you know he's the one that actually 
I think in my opinion, like started and revolutionized trainers that are able to su- succeed in an Instagram platform or social media platform. Mm. So it just, he just lacked the, the training as the teaching aspect of what I was looking for. And then, you know, with Micah, I got introduced to DJ and Jordan Lawley and it was like, okay, you know, they're very detailed as well, but I think Micah just did it the best. Um, mm. Shout out to Jordan Lawley and DJ. They're very, very good uh, trainers. One of the best in the world, but and, you know, Micah definitely just was the most detailed guy I've, I've ever seen. Um, mm. With that being said, and then being with the Impossible family, it just kind of allowed me to become a better trainer, especially there's no Impossible guys here in Orlando, Florida or Central Florida. I was literally the only one. I That's where I separated myself from everyone. I don't care what anybody says in Central Florida as far as mm. like, we're talking about skills training. There's not really anyone as detailed as what I can do here in Central Florida area. And you they could take me that one to the book. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Like, hey, that's just, that's hey Flex, just man. Hey, hey, you, you earned all this. That's just my self-confidence. And there's some good guys here. Like, um, mm-hmm. There's some really good guys that's gotten guys to the next level. But like, when I've, when I've seen their approach and their training methods, you know, it might work for that one guy they got all the way through. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's a way to approach every player that they get to work with. I think every player needs a very detailed approach. And some of these guys just don't have the very detailed approach. In my opinion, it's, mm. it's not detailed enough and they call themselves, you know, different. There's nothing really different about it because everybody's doing the same thing. Like and, <laughs> cookie cutter. Right. And, you know, and, th- and that's just really as nice as I could say, because like, I don't want to sound like them because like when they, when they make critiques of other trainers, they sound like haters. So I'm not, even gonna go further than that. Yeah. I don't. I'm not a hater by by any means. I don't go publicly bashing other trainers. I don't go publicly saying, "Oh, this don't work, that don't work." I stay in my lane, mm. and I prove, I, and I and I just prove it to my players that I can get them to the next level. Those are really who I cater to, um, and that's really it. And I should I should respond to any time they say those things, but in reality, it is just you know apples and oranges. They won't get it. Just two different styles. Mm-hmm. Neither neither are more right and wrong than the other, but I just feel like at this moment in this phase of training, they just won't understand each other. And maybe someday they would, but as of right now, they're just so, they're just they feel like I'm competition. I don't feel like they're competition. They're not in, in my competition anyway because I stay in my lane. I do mm-hmm. what I do. I'm not worried about what they do. In the other hands, they'll look at methods and stuff like this. They're like of of what I do, and be so quick to go publicly you know make a remark in public like to me it's <laughs> laughable because like wow like you really go out of your way to make a public remark on this right mm-hmm. i don't care i'm like it's proven to my players i've gotten guys you know as a matter of fact um and this is not to name drop uh there's a kid josh Marte. he played at osceola high school right um signed to bethune cookman um i think he's probably like a co- central florida college right now just because of a whatever you know ineligibility it is i don't know the whole story but um Mm. i've been working with a kid since the seventh grade he's like five six five seven he's a kid that had no shot playing division one basketball but earned a division one scholarship through my methods and styles i'm really probably the only one that's worked with him as far as a skills trainer and he just worked with coaches like you know coaches Mm. that knows how to get him better and stuff like that as far as you know his high school coaches or his aau coaches and stuff so so i know there's proof in the pudding of what I did to help him get to that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
it, and that's just that's just my feelings on it. Like I don't go out of my way to get on other people's training styles, but for whatever reason, when I do something, you know, other people are so easy to go on on social media platform and critique, or not necessarily critique me, but more so, it's I can you know read in between the lines. Like yeah, that's definitely towards me, and I find it laughable. <laughs> it's la- it's very laughable. You know. man, man, when you when when you're on top, dog, like everybody everybody's aiming for you, dog. Like you're they want they want to pull you down to their level, but that's happened to me too. It was that's what makes me like so funny to me is just, I've had times where I've you know said something whatever like my beliefs, and um you know you'll see you'll see it like it won't be on you know your your page or whatever. You'll just see the, you'll just see the comments and it's just like okay cool like whatever. But like you say, you gotta stay in your lane, man, because at the end of the day. Everyone, everyone's got something to say. Everyone's got a criticism, but like it does, to me, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting results. Like if you're putting players through to college, to, to the NBA, and all those things, like and they're getting results, that's all that matters. Because everybody, it doesn't matter. Like they hated on Jesus too. That's what I tell people. <laughs> they hated <laughs> Jesus first. Hey, you know what? And that's exactly correct. Like I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't mind the criticism. I find it laughable. That just means that you know they're paying attention, which is cool. Keep paying attention because I'm just getting started. Without a doubt, man. So one thing I actually want to talk about, because you even, you even mentioned it, I see a lot, a lot of hate when it comes to, like, Michael Lancaster and, like, you know, his training methods and things like that. Like like you said, people will call it gimmicky and, um, like, waste, wasteful and stuff like that. My thing is, is like you said, there's so much details and there's context to it, too. Like, you don't know why we're doing, like, you know, you're using something, you're doing something. It's the same thing to me, like, when it comes to, like, strength conditioning. It's like, okay, well, well, I wouldn't do this with this player, but it's like you don't know what's going on or why. And like one thing I wanted to ask you about is, um, you know, what was obviously you don't have to go too deep into it if you don't want to, but like you know, some of the stuff that you're you're doing with uh, some players, like what are are there very situational like uh, scenarios that you're taking them through? Is it more so kind of like just skill development? Like what is the approach to kind of using like Micah's training system? Okay, so the way we do things is we. We work on skill enhancement training. This is very different from game enhancement. This is very different from game situational. Okay. So you got to look this look at this in this sort of like a flight simulator approach where a pilot learns how to fly, right? But doesn't necessarily use an actual airplane or whatever. They'll use a flight simulator. Means they get to explore that flight simulator program as much as they want, create as many mistakes, create, uh, go through as many details as they can, mm-hmm. just so they know the ins and outs of how to fly a plane how to utilize an actual plane, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our method to our madness is very similar to a point where our fl- our methods are flight simulators where we get to explore everything it is that we know that we, we can do with our body. Every mm-hmm. we explore every detail there is with ball handling technique, ball handling ball handling manipulation, every detail with offensive footwork, where the foot placement needs to be. Does it, where does it need to be? Could it be under my hips? Could it be this far? Uh, do I need to be in a split stance where both of my feet are, are outside my hips? Th- that's the kind of method that we try to approach where we want our players to understand how to operate with their body fully. And that's just going to make them a better basketball player because they know how to functionally use their bodies in any way, any shape or form. And then, mm-hmm. then you add the game situation stuff. Now the game reads would be that much better. But you got to understand you gotta understand when, when coaches or trainers put their guys to game situations, right? And what I see the most is the lack of body details. For for example, mm. I, I see trainers put guys to sideline pick and roll movement, 
right? Whether it's through mm. the screens, bounce out out of a hard hedge, or just turn a corner. They're, they lack detail of accountability of where their shoulders need to be placed. They lack accountability where how low their hips need to be dropped. They lack the accountability of where their feet need to go, or even the timing of their feet as they make that turn on that screen. So, yes, it's game situational, but you just failed to teach your player how to operate in that game situation. You gave them the read, but you didn't give them the functionality. Right. You know what I mean? So what we do is when you see us putting cones on the floor, right, that mm-hmm. cone now forces our bodies to play in a low low stance where it's needed to play off a screen and roll. That that cone can now represent a moment in time where I have to play low if an over I have an over-aggressive defender and I need to just use my shoulder as more protection. Or if you just see guys driving the game, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just use for an example one of the highest level guys, Kyrie. If you freeze his moment in time, and this is what we call picture-taking moments, just t- pause it. Mm-hmm. You'll see nine, nine out of ten times his shoulders drop where his hands are on the floor and he's still able to function on those stances. So therefore, if Kyrie is creating leverage because of those low stances, how can we replicate that in training? How can we get our guys to replicate that style, those methods, those details in order to add that to their game as Kyrie would? Because Kyrie is one of the best skilled players in the game and he uses those body positions for his leverage in order to be fluid and functional. You know what I mean? Without a doubt, man. And so like, not even to cut you off, man, but I'm look, I'm thinking about like, so like you said, like you'll have coaches that'll come through and have the game read so they can make the reads, but they don't, they don't have the fit, like the physical abilities to operate in those reads. Is that what you're saying? Right. Absolutely. I'll see guys like, man, um, I see guys, NBA guys, uh, on the gram, they'll go all through these reads but mm-hmm. dude, they're pl- they're playing so high, they're playing so slow. They're not. They got choppy steps. Their ball handling is not even in correct timing. Like, yeah, you're cr- making to create reads, but those functionalities that you're doing with your with your body movements, with your ball handling timing, and you, you, your synchronization is not even up to par. So, no matter how good you are to read that situation, if you can't function in the read, you can't. To to be honest, you can't function in that live scenario. Facts, man. Now, all that makes sense. And so, like, basically. Um, and you talk about like the cones and things like that. So it's creating accountability. So now you have to be accountable to put your body in that position. Right. So it trains the body. And like they say, oh, muscle memory is everything. So I get this a lot. Oh, it's all about muscle memory. It's all about repetition. Right. But it's also about correct repetition. Right. right. So you, you can go through, you know, all these live scenarios all you want. But if you're not placing those players in body position, they need to be effective in. You, you're doing them an injustice, and I'm sorry. And you're not different. You're just like everybody else. So, and this is not a knock to other trainers, but before you start going attacking other approaches, maybe they need to check their own approach to see if they're even getting guys the justice just as they need to operate in those situations. You know what I mean? So, for yeah. instance, right? Um, I would teach a lot of a lot of finishes where. I'd have somebody tap a cone on two stacked platforms, very high platforms, right? Right. And I get this a lot. Oh, you'll never stack a cone on two platforms. And they can't pass the imagery of just a platform and a cone. They can't understand the method of me. It's not about me stacking a cone to the platform. It's about me creating that body position where my player can now finish in a variety where he protects from his defender, he locates shots, the shot blocker, putting him in, in that environment where he has to place his body in that position and then having the ability to finish in that way. 
rather than just, right. Right, just go finish, you know, receive contact. It's not just about receiving contact. It's about placing your body in a, in a position where you're the most effective. And this is also one of my things that I tell guys or coaches or players. Efficiency doesn't always mean effective. Facts. Sometimes, sometimes you got to go reach in your bag that's effective, although it might not be efficient. It might not work majority of times, but there's going to be a scenario in time when this is why it's called clutch, uh, clutch time, right? Clutch players. Some, mm. A lot of players in the league, when they're, when they're getting to their clutch moments, they reach in their bag. They're going to reach into their bag to, you know, all right, what do I have? What's the best availability I have? What's the be- best available, available move I have? And they're going to reach in their bag to, you know, tap into it and, and execute it, right? That might not right. be the most efficient shot. But at that moment, that's what you have. So that's what we call effective, effectiveness. And it's very diff- different from efficiency. You can work on the efficiency, yeah, be efficient and, you know, getting to your spot, being efficient to knock down 9 out of 10 in that spot. But sometimes you got to be effective. And effective doesn't always mean efficiency. You know what I mean? Right. No, without a doubt, man. I, I love the fact that you – how you distinguish both of them. Because like you said, like there's – it's great to be it's great to be efficient, but there's gonna be the times like you said, like you, there's situations that call for it. Look, you just got to get the job done. So what's gonna get it done that may not be as efficient? Maybe I go out the way a little bit, but you can still make sure you get the job right. done. That and might that's, be a five huge. dribble move. That might be a five dribble move. You might have to continue your dribble instead of getting stuck in a lane, or instead of getting stuck in a corner. You have to keep your dribble alive. You probably have to over dribble, right? And I yeah. get this a lot. Oh, Ryan dribbles too much, but more so, I teach him not to get stuck. I don't teach them to get stuck in a in a spot. I teach them if you got to dribble, you have to dribble. So I don't teach my guys to you know to over dribble and dance around. But I teach them how to use the, how to over dribble in the right moments. You know what I mean? So right. it's 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 very perspective of how you see the game. Really, is that's where you can really understand how we do things. Um, but more than anything, we have more accountability methods than anywhere anywhere around. And this is. Um, just because of me teaching the curriculum, it's we keep guys accountable. We have a purpose mm-hmm. with our with our methods, and we also put a sense of imagination in everything that we do. So it's just not where like, oh, it's very scripted. No, we, we're gonna give you imagination. Like, all right, listen, like these are moments in time where you got to get this low, and we kind of give them the freedom of creativity to operate in those moments. But obviously, mm. we we put a little bit of principles in it, but we have them play with principles and imagine the moment. You know, right. Without a doubt, man. And that that's it's amazing that you how you explain it, because you wouldn't not only did you go into detail and explain everything, but you gave examples and like everything makes sense. Like on the outside looking in, obviously, like it's the context that matters. Like we, like I said, we, people don't know why you're doing these things. Like everyone has their own philosophies, whatever. But the way I see it, it, it makes total sense because, like you said, you have these 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 uh these tools to help you be accountable. So now it's like you're repping. Yes, you're getting quality reps, but you're repping it out in the same way that they're going to be in the game, the body, bodily positions and the physical abilities to operate. And then on top of that, then you can put your reads in. So now you're getting the total package. So not necessarily like, oh, you can read this. But, you know, if you're not if you don't have the footwork and you're you're not you don't understand how to, like you said, create that leverage. It doesn't matter. Right. So uh, exactly. one, thing, one thing I want to talk about, too, is um, obviously like you end up working with Kemba. And, um, you know, that's, that's your guy. So one thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, obviously, like I said, like you go in depth as you want, but what was it like kind of approaching him? Cause you know, he's a professional player. What did you help him? Like, what, what, what are some things you saw in his game that you felt like you could improve to kind of help separate him from everybody else and, and add to it? Um, 
I, I studied a lot of Kemba prior to getting to work with Kemba. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that happened was just, you know, right time, meeting the right people, and everything. The rest, the rest was history. And shout out to Edgar Sosa, by the way. And shout out to uh, our guy, Ty. Uh, our guy, Ty. You know Ty. Ty Patrick. Yeah. Um, they, they had a lot to do with uh, just, you know, putting it all together. And Edgar, by the way, if anybody doesn't know Edgar Sosa, like that was like Kemba's like old high school um, teammate, and then you know they've been like very good friends ever since, and that's how really how we really got connected with that. But um, uh, yeah, I studied a lot of Kemba before prior prior to even working with Kemba, so I I knew his ins and outs of his game as far as what he was so good at and what he lacked at. Um, there wasn't a lot of weakness, I can tell you that. There wasn't a lot of weaknesses, but more than more so than anything, it's being aware. Uh, mm-hmm. Awareness was more than anything that uh, maybe if we did help any, maybe just help them be aware of certain moments um, because he knew how to play low. His handle is super underrated. One of the best in the league. Uh, man, top five. Top five, if you ask me. One of the yeah. best handles in the league. And could shoot the ball very damn good. So he didn't really have a lot of weaknesses. And he, he could finish in varieties of ways. So really, if you put it in that perspective, I never really saw any weaknesses in his games. More so, awareness was more than anything that if he ever took anything from us, I would probably say just some awareness. So I don't really take a lot of credit for Kemba. Um, uh, more so than anything, I, maybe I could just help him just be, be, be more aware of his body positions and stuff, if that's, if that's something we've helped him with. But um, mm-hmm. we've just been fortunate enough for him to trust our program for a few summers to work with us and trusting us that, you know, we can help them in some way. So we're very fortunate enough to do that. But uh, one thing I am going to dive into is he's very open-minded. And I think every player needs to be very open-minded about their training approaches because, like you said, we received a lot of criticism as far as being gimmicky, doing too much. But he came into our workouts. He knew what he wanted to do but wasn't afraid to try the things that we were going to give him. So off the back, we knew he wanted to shoot a lot of shots. Every NBA player does that. They want to shoot shots. So he just like, you know, <laughs> before the workout, he knew we knew that we were gonna we were gonna help him rebound to get a lot of shots up. That was his thing. He comes to a workout and says, "Hey, I gotta get shots up." Cool. So that's like a minimum of 200, 300 made shots off the mm-hmm. back. We know that. Then we get to the skill stuff. Then that's where he's open minded. Okay, what do you got for me? All right. So that's the med ball stuff. That's the cone slides on the drive. You know, helping him play low. Um, just you know, or maybe just you know, hitting the med, hitting the med ball a few times just for activating his offhand. Um, just repping things that he do. He he likes the step through step cross moves, which is uh, the killer crossover Tim Hardaway stuff. He loves mm-hmm. that series. He just loves those things. So anything off the dribble, he loved. So he would kind of give us like, hey, these these are things that I like, and then we would create our workout within that, and then just also with our teaching style and our accountabilities and things to just help him understand what it is that we're trying to do in the workout, I think that he understood it very well and he was very open to it and that we're very appreciative of. But um, more than anything, I think with pros, like they want to get shots up. So as long as you include mm-hmm. shots in their routine, I think they'd be more, more than open to try out things as long as they know it's beneficial for the game. And for the most part, I think he saw some benefits with our workouts to his game. So. Yeah, without a doubt. I love, and it's crazy the fact that you said, like you said, he loves that, uh, the, uh, the Hardaway series, like the UTEP step. So, like, yeah. the, fact, the fact that you were able to take that, like, hey, look, I like doing this. Okay, cool. Here's how we can apply our own, you know, uh, curriculum to this, our own philosophies. 
and here's how we can create a, a workout based off that. Like you said, we said earlier, like it's not it's not cookie cutter. Like you can adapt it to the to the different players, but you right. also you're still making sure you're staying within your philosophy. So that to me, that's that's dope because it's like it's so like it's so like like adaptable. <laughs> like it, you can go with right. anybody. Like you still have your your philosophy, what you believe in, but you can literally help anybody out. So it's not necessarily like it's gonna work for ninety five percent. But this five percent, I don't know what to tell you. It's literally like, hey, cool. This is what you want. All right, here's how we're gonna do it. Okay, yeah, th- that's exactly what it was, um, and it was very, um, it was cool. Like, man, just he was somebody that definitely I looked up to as far as uh, his playing style. Little guard could do it all. Um, so, so it, just for that to manifest, I, I thought it was cool. It's funny because two months before working with Kemba the first time, right? I actually broke down a video of Kemba. <laughs> and, Karma, bro. <laughs> man, you, you you think about it in that way is like wow that really manifested itself so i thought that was cool um very fortunate and lucky to have those opportunities uh, i'm very highly appreciative of him even considering it so that was that was cool uh shout out to kemba <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure man so uh you already talked about this a little bit like, like i can say like i'm not never trying to take away your sauce but uh what do you feel like when it comes to player development we gotta talk about this a little bit but what do you feel like is like one thing that's really missing in player development that you think a lot, like, a lot of people are missing the boat on, maybe it's coaches, trainers, or whatever, like especially trainers. Like, what are they missing the boat on, and what do you feel like is the most important thing players can start focusing on today to make them a better basketball player? I would say balance. Balance okay. is key. Where I think players are playing too much now, mm. way too much, way, way, way too much. Where AU is supposed to be seasonal, right? Yeah. It's become darn full year. Like year t- well, for a lot of the lower level AU groups, where um, not the big ones, not the I guess you could call the shoe sponsored teams, or like um, your each one teach ones, your CP twenty fives, your one fans, like they take they take some time off, or your um, Showtime balls, they take some time off, um, where they only play live periods or when it matters like spring to summer and they cut off they give them back to the high schools right right i think what's missing is there should be a time frame where these kids should have nothing going on with teams and just getting back to some individual development um right they play too much some some find the time to create the time or, or create the time to you know make it work but i think some parents will like well they're playing in this tournament. I mean, you guys play in a tournament every week. Like, <laughs> they're not going to miss what, it. <laughs> what do you think they're going to gain? Like, think about it. They're, they're taking, all right, at most, if their coach even lets them shoot that much, 12 to 15 shots per game. Facts. But what are you gaining out of those 10 to 15 shots? All right? And you can't tell me quality over quantity because you wouldn't know what a quality shot is because you haven't prepared yourself for a quality shot. You know right. what I mean? So it's, I think it's just balanced. Play, yes. But more importantly, you know, find the time to develop. I think a lot of times I get a lot of players and parents giving me excuse. Well, they have a tournament this in time. Well, like, well, they shouldn't have a tournament this in time because it's not even like live period. It's not even a time for you, you know, they shouldn't even be playing. This should be the time for them to get better, whether that's working with an athletic trainer, make sure that they're functional in an athletic perspective. All right, mm-hmm. we're talking about injury prevention, strength and conditioning. That's your realm right there. Where I know um, when I studied 
um, when I studied uh, sports and exercise science at UCF, they always talked about phases. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what, yep. I forgot what it's called right now, but I know there's phases of where they need to be working on uh, explosiveness. There needs, there's a phase where they need to be working on strengthening and there's a phase where they need to be working on gaining mass. Oh, and, period, you know, periodizing. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See, I, I know all this <laughs> stuff. It's just that I don't apply it because it's not my niche. Like I don't yeah. care for it. It's just, I'm all about skills, but I know how vital and important your realm is. So that's why I would send someone, like if I had a player, and I wanted to have the complete package, I would send them some, to someone like you, you know, mm. just so, and then, then, then you and I will connect like, okay, what is it in, you know, in an athletic perspective, he can't quite grasp right now. You could probably tell me where, well, you know, as far as, you know, biomechanics and stuff, which by the way, I want to ask you some questions about that because um, it, it's, it's a very uh, weird, weird world right now as we have connecting skills into biomechanics and stuff. But, um, yeah. but you know, that, that's, that's really where I think balance should be key. They need to make time with their athletic trainer. They need to make time with their skills trainer. They need to make time for their AAU teams, whatever the case might be. And, you know, because those are the guys that are going to teach them the game enhancement stuff because they're the ones that's going to be putting them in positions to play, all right? So the skills trainer and the AAU coaches have two different roles. The AAU coaches are going to place them in the positions they're going to be operating in, and the skills trainer is going to give them the functionality to operate in those situations. So there needs to be a connection. And then the athletic performance side, they're the ones that's going to make them functional as far as being a complete athlete, much more faster, much more explosive, quicker, um, being able to place their bodies in very awkward movements, but that's going to mm -hmm. give them leverage. And this is where my next question, how do you feel about sports specific training, right? Let's say, just say basketball mm -hmm. and biomechanics itself, because if you notice a lot of basketball movements are not biomechanically, biomechanically correct, but they're mm -hmm. so functional in those levels. Where can we, I say, okay, let me rephrase the question. So where would we make some changes as far as biomechanics and sports specific? Like when it gets to the basketball world, obviously you wouldn't teach them, all right, proper squats, but in the game of basketball, proper squats are very rarely used. Yeah. Where would you make those changes? So that's actually a really good question. So I think every player should definitely like have a base. Any athlete in general should have a base of like strength and stuff like that. So like it is, it's actually a really hot topic too that you say that too, like uh, sports specific because everyone's like, well, in the weight room, they shouldn't be getting sports specific. My take on that is that we should be preparing the body for what it's going to see in competition. So yeah, yeah, we should have that. These squats, like the full, full ranges of motion if they can, because depends on their mobility, but if they can do a, like, a, like a squat, for example, for a range of motion at the beginning, just to build strength, uh, build strength and hypertrophy, make sure they get a little bit bigger, more muscle. Cool. So now that's for injury prevention. That's also going to help their performance. So, and then when it comes to basketball, like you said, they're not going to really get into those deep positions. If they do, by the time they get in that deep position, like let's say they go for a dunk or a block, they're either getting dunked on or they're getting blocked. You're right, because they're not, they don't have the time to go down to such a deep squat and come back up. They're working at a partial squat. So through time, I think we should get more sport specific. So like even when it comes to like little partial squats or even like, I mean, some of the videos you've seen on my page. So I'll do right. like this, this drill, like where it's like for deceleration. So I'll literally have them like standing with like a medicine ball or like a weight and I'll push them right in a different direction. And they had to come to a complete stop because they had to learn how to absorb forces. So uh, we'll have them do that. So like, obviously, like strength and conditioning coach will say, well, why don't we just get them under a squat rack or put some dumbbells? But I'm like, well, no, because at the same time, I also want them to have like, a weighted basketball 
or even like a band pulling them so that way they can feel what it means to own these positions you know even with even though it's not necessarily in a weight room they can still feel at own these positions that they're going to feel in basketball courts when you take the load away the weight the bands the resistance now they can operate in a way where it's not only are they strong enough to, to withstand this position but now they can move out of it explosively so i'd always say we start we'd always start with the base of like just general strength strength conditioning whatever like full body squats whatever um and my thing is like basketball players don't need to squat but we're not gonna get into that right now but um just kind of some general strength but get more specific after we can get more specific after that just because i think athletes need to have that general base of strength to operate off because not necessarily for athletic performance because if you give me a player right now i can put two inches on his vertical but it's not going to help him if he gets hurt he or she gets hurt right so like availability is the best ability Let's make sure that one, they can withstand whatever it is they're doing and not get injured. Then let's get a more, um, let's get them more sport specific. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily start sport specific just because, like I said, the general stuff is more so for injury prevention. But uh, no, without a doubt, man, I think it's such a hot, hot topic because I've heard strength, uh, strength coaches come talk to me and say, "Hey, man, I would just stick, you know, to the basics, blah, blah, blah." And then we can manipulate like the weights and then the tempos and the weight room. We just shouldn't get sports specific. But in my opinion, personally, like I just feel like, how are we helping the athletes, specifically basketball players, get better at their craft if they're just going to be sitting doing squats all day? Like we should have them, you know, dumbbell jumps, trap bar, trap bar deadlifts, like you know things like that. And then, like I said, like going into these these movements where they're they have to decelerate in a lunge position, which they're going to do with the basketball, maybe even a step back. Uh, they're going to a split stance crossover. Like, there's different ways we can do this, but I just feel like a lot of my opinion, strength coaches are kind of like you said, narrow-minded. Like, they're not really open-minded to seeing some of the things that we do. And um, I mean, that's just my take on it. I I just think we should get sports specific, but we just need to make sure they're strong enough first before we get there because it's like hurt right, them. Right. Okay. Cool. So you you, you lay out foundation first, then mm-hmm. you start branching out to their needs. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, absolutely. And then it also it, it also depends on the player. For the most part, like whenever I get a new player, I always kind of see where they're at, like generally. So sometimes, like it depends on different players. Like you'll have a player who's bouncy, like really springy. Like I've had players like that, but I look at their training, like their their playing history, and they're always hurt. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'll look at you. Okay, like you're six five. You're like one seventy. Okay, cool. Like we can get you a little bit stronger. That way we can keep you on the court. So it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to put two inches on you. I'm just going to make sure that you don't get hurt. Then yeah. once, I, once I even build that general strength, what's crazy is that you're going to get more athletic because now your body's like, oh, okay, like naturally your body actually protects itself. So right. even when it comes to like range of motion, your body is tight in certain, certain positions because it's not strong enough to be in that position during athletic performance. So if I get you stronger in this position, now your body's going to be like, oh, I'm strong enough let me take off the emergency brakes. Let me get down into a deeper position. Let me open up this ankle mobility a little bit more. So even just like little simple things like that, like the basics are actually going to open up their game so much. And um, that's why a lot of players like, hey, man, can you help me jump higher? Yeah, sure, sure. And it's like, yo, take care of them. And all of a sudden their their vertical goes up, whatever. And now they're happy. And now I can make sure that they're going to stay healthy in the long run instead of just coming over like, yeah, man, let me me do these, uh, these jumps for you really quick. And then they get hurt next week. It's like, well, I put yeah, five yeah. inches on his vert, but he's hurt. So, like, what right, does it matter? So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, now he's going to go back to square one where he's probably lower than his original vert because mm. now you got to rebuild him again. So, I exactly. get that. Okay. okay. Yeah, man. man. 
like like I said, man, there's so much variables that goes on, but mm-hmm. like they, they don't really see our method to our madness because we we take account of every variable. We're not just gonna. It's funny because like so many trainers out there, are like oh the game is simple, keep it simple. Who the hell told y'all this game was simple? Like, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it, 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 there's just so much complexity going on. Like who told y'all this game was simple? You, now you guys are lying to these players. Oh, you gotta <laughs> keep it simple. Keep it, you know. You know, don't reinvent the wheel, bro. It's not being simple. Dude, this game is so complex that, like, yes, some do it much better than others. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't – don't disqualify the fact that they're moving in complex ways. It's because Mm -hmm. they just – throughout time, they just learned how to play in complexity. Not everybody's the same. You you know, if you can get guys to operate in that same level, great. But you're not going to get the same guys to operate at that level the same way. It's just not going to happen. So Right. I think that to me, like – it's like I try to understand where they're coming from. Like, yeah, okay, cool, we can keep it simple. But at the same time, it's like, like we talked about it earlier, man. Like, yeah, sure, that maybe that's efficient, but we want to be effective. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's right. one of those times where we got to get in that bag. So I'm, my yeah. thing is, when I get a player, I'm like, look, if we can keep it, we're going to do some fundamental stuff. But at the same time, I want you to get in that bag. Like, because if you need to, right, and yeah. you need to go off one foot really quick, I want you to be able to be explosive and get, over, get off that one foot. But if you, at the very least, it's like fighting. Like, cool. We don't want to fight right. if we don't have to, but when we have to, we got to be able to defend ourselves. That's what right. I tell dudes. Exactly. So, so and, uh, and that's that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, man, it's, it's so much, there's so much variables. Like, there's so much that goes into it that people don't see. There's so many details that we know. And on the people on the outside looking in, it's very hard for them to understand. Like, no, there's a lot of thought that goes into our crafts and what we're doing. And then at the end of the day, like, there's so much stuff that we could sit there and talk to them about. But and like you said, man, we gotta stay in our lanes and do we do what we do. As long as players are getting getting results from it, and they're like you said, like they're on the court healthy. To me, that's all that matters. I'm like, cool. All right, skills trainer is like, right. all right, cool. We got him up. We got five, six dude a D one scholarship. I get the player. Okay, let me make sure you stay healthy enough and you don't miss any time. Like if I get a player and they stay healthy throughout the entire season, maybe a couple turn ankles because it happens. But nothing major, like you know, ligament damage, like ACLs. We, if I can prevent that for the rest of their lives, that's a win. To me, that's a win. And like, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like you see Derrick right. Rose, who is gonna have probably gonna have trouble walking when he gets done with basketball. To me, like that. If I had that, to me, that would be a failure. Not because I didn't make him more athletic, I didn't put inches on his vert, but because I didn't keep him, you know, healthy after the game of basketball. Freak accidents happen, but my thing is, I want to make sure. That these freak accidents never happen. To me, that's a win. Yeah. But, yeah, same thing with the skills aspect. My, my job is to make sure that every player is able to enhance their toolbox or even add more to their toolbox. And whatever they do with that is up to them. So as long as I know that they can operate in these ways, I've already won. doesn't matter what they produce, mm-hmm. you know. doesn't matter what they produce as far as numbers because at any given time, it's, it's all about – I get it. It's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. But if I can help a player to operate in any system where, okay, let's say numbers-wise he didn't really get better, but he's able to do more, let's say, mm-hmm. all right, cool, now this, guy, this guy's able to handle the basketball more situations and stuff like that, well, now we just you know expanded his role throughout the team. You know, To me, right. that's a win. That's a success, too. It's not all about the numbers. It's all about operation where, let's say, you know, a player was averaging 17, 18 a game, but since I gave him handles and the ability to pass a little bit more, his numbers go down in scoring, but he's able to get the whole team in, in the same page and they're winning more. That's an that's still an individual win, you know? Right, exactly. Like you said, man, it's a numbers game. People will people will literally look at numbers like, oh, man, he's not averaging 
20. So that was, that was a failure. He's like, no, nah, man, like that's context is important. We see it. We see the details, but like I said, man, if the players are happy and they're developing and they get that bag at the end, they get that check. It's all right, cool. And you're healthy. Shit. You're good, man. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wins. Hey, but, um, my, my AirPods ran out of uh battery. So I'm like, I'm on the phone now. So like, um, do you got any more questions that uh, maybe we could wrap up, wrap up on or? Yeah, man. So like, I was going to get like maybe one or two more questions. So yeah. I'm going to get you out of here. I know you're a busy guy. So um, what uh, what would be some advice you would give yourself two years ago and uh, or three years ago? And uh, would that change anything? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say stay patient. I think two years ago, I tried to get everything going too fast. Mm -hmm. um, um, definitely stay patient. Um, I was very eager and anxious to just get things moving. Um, I was I was doing okay, but uh, the, the patience is uh, I think what I'm learning now. Because to be honest, like everything's good now, but like I think I is I need to learn more patience because everything just doesn't you know click itself. You got to you know place all the variables, place place it here, place it there, and then just kind of just watch it grow, watch it click by itself, and it. it Almost always happens in every scenario I've been in business. As long as I place things where they need to be placed, eventually it'll click. But, you know, then I was very anxious and eager to get things going. So I would say just be a little bit more patient and just make sure that um, you're always doing the groundwork every day. So it's all about the micro, micro successes that's going to, you know, make the big, big picture um, be more relatable. You could be able to see it better. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I, that's a big thing with me, too. I think, you know, just naturally, like, we, we want so much just because, like, obviously, like, we're grinding, we're working so hard. So I think it's, like, naturally, like, especially in our age where everything's microwave, we can, we can literally look up anything we want in the world in 10 seconds. So I just think, like, that's going to help separate us, too. It's just being patient because 95% of people aren't. So that by itself is, like, that's going to pay off in the long run. But, no, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Right. Even in the business standpoint, right, where, let's say, for instance – you're able to capitalize off your passion. That's what everybody really wants to intend to do. Anyway, mm. be patient. If you're able to, let's say, start off, right? You're starting off, you're making $300, $400 a month. That's something to start off with, mm. right? I'm not saying go quit your day job, but that's something <laughs> to start off with. Just know, like, there's guys that are not getting paid for their passion. But let's say you're coming up with an extra $300, uh, $400 on the side for it. Cool. Now just stay patient. Now... With that four hundred, you know, four hundred dollars, figure out a way to, you know, get more, get more income out of that. Like whether that's investing in some advertisements or some tools or things that's gonna help you, you know, eventually start getting more clientele. In. And so I think that's something, you know, definitely I'd, I'll tell myself two years ago: just be patient. Like you're, you're doing it. Just maybe not into the capacity you want it to be as of now, but you're doing it. So. Yeah, and it's and when you earn and when you earn that spot where you feel, you feel like you always deserve to be, that it feels so much sweeter, man. Like, oh that's yeah, absolutely. Exactly how it felt like I was like, like, man, why am I not with this player? Like, why am I not here? And then he met. Fast forward, shit, like a year, and it's just like, damn, I'm farther than I thought I would be. You know, right, it's just like exactly. it's like you you earn that shit. It just feels so so much sweeter, man. So, uh, one last question: If somebody wants to reach out to you, if somebody wants to to hit you up, talk talk a little bit about hoops, or they want to even train with you. Where can they reach out to you and find you, man? Um, we have our website, twohandsbasketball.com, but you can also look us up at Instagram. Um, our handle is 
like the numerical two, two hands basketball. And you really, you could reach me out at Twitter as well. So a lot of pretty much every social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, two hands basketball, Twitter and Facebook, it's two hands b-ball, I think, or actually Facebook's two hands basketball as well. But just, you know, you could definitely reach me on the social media platforms and it'll be directly to me because I'm the one running all everything right now anyway. So, Oh, you're a one man show. Not necessarily, but uh, I, I like I like to oversee things. <laughs> I, I, I like I like to make sure I make the connection with anybody that gets in contact with our program, and you know, th- yeah, definitely not necessarily one man show, but just I, I like to make the connection more than anything. Got you, man. I'll make sure I plug all that in the show notes too. Like I'll put like your IG and everything, so that way if people want to find you, they can just click the link real quick and uh, get to you, man. But Ryan, man, thank you so much for for coming on today. You spit hella knowledge. You went in depth. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing I, I, I could even ask for even more. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate you, man. And if you got any last, any other questions for me, man, like, or anything else to say to anybody listening to this? Uh, keep listening, man. And I love what you're doing with the podcast. I think this is very, very good, free content, free knowledge. And people don't understand there's a lot of value in free content. Like you don't, if you don't have the means to pay for a program or, or to pay, you know, for all these resources. There are a lot of great free resources where it could start off your foundation. If you're a guy that, you know, that wants to pursue training or pursuit of any entrepreneurship or, you know, entering a business, there's a lot of free resources out there that can help you just get off the ground. And then you can start building your own philosophies, building your own experiences. And, you know, you, you could actually contribute to this podcast. So <laughs> definitely, definitely keep, you know, anybody that's you know pursuing this business or pursuing this field definitely listen to this this podcast more and you know receive free content free knowledge yeah without a doubt man. it's crazy like i always tell people look man there's so much free stuff out there but nobody pays attention until they got to pay for it that's right. crazy right yeah yeah appreciate you man thank you so much for coming on man and uh, i'm gonna let you go but like i said man anytime you want to hop back on here spit some more knowledge i you can definitely come back on here and, and, and i'll let you later man definitely man Later. Later. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show, and don't forget to tune in to the next episode.